the Koi Gig part on Off The Ball. I don't like it. I want to be up there in Group A. I don't care who we get. We should be up there competing against them. But, you know, as you said, we're going to win that group and then get promoted, hopefully. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Hurling on Off The Ball. With Board Gosh Energy. Hurling. It's anyone's game. Now, you're very welcome back. Much to discuss from the GAA weekend that was. Very happy to say Mr. Malachy Clerken from the Garish Times is with us. Good evening. Good evening. Well, GAA Go is in the dock and you're going yeah. to be judge and jury, OK? Uh, I saw... Of course, uh, of course we, are, we are the worst people to pronounce upon it, you know, seeing as, you know, well... A, I'm at these bloody games and not watching them on GA Go. And B, anyway, all the media have got sent out a free pass for, for GA Go as it stands. So uh, there's nothing. Oh. Who, who are we to pronounce on high? Interesting. I'll be reaching out for my free pass uh, presently. I didn't realise this was uh, the oh, situation. I'm sure. I, 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 oh, what an outrage that they haven't uh, they haven't uh, got on to Ireland's foremost sports broadcaster and sorted them out. That's, that's a bit of a disgrace. I'm going to go full Michael Jordan on them here now. Um, I saw let's uh, jump off with Don Logue I suppose because he's crystallised the debate in some respects uh, there's yeah. a quote tweet of the exchange I saw which said fair play to Don Logue on his last ever Sunday game appearance uh, <laughs> but they went there they went there now uh, to make the, the, the conversation I suppose a, a tad easier uh, in this instance pay-per-view is less the issue now I know for a lot of people it's still very much the issue mm. but in Dunlog's eyes pay-per-view is less the issue there is a sense and I saw Michael Dagnan say something similar in the mail on Sunday yesterday that 79 euro for 38 games high quality production that's okay we can live mm. with that so if, if we proceed on that assumption in Dunlog's eyes it is the choice of game that is the issue Munster Hurling in effect has been exploited here to get this venture off the ground was his sentiment. For anyone who didn't catch the conversation, here's just a few snippets of Don Logue on the Sunday game last night. Who is accountable for the promotion of hurling? Because whoever it is, is not doing a good job. The GA took on trusteeship of it. It looks as if they're actually shrinking the Graham instead of growing it. And I would say, you'd have to question, are RTE and the GA exploiting hurling? How many games, how many months of championship games in the football compared to the hurling, hurling have they showed, it looks very like that they're using hurling to get this giant venture off the ground, whereas it should be the other way around. There's loads, hundreds, thousands of brilliant, brilliant volunteers out on the game who are trying to grow hurling. As I said at the outset, it needs oxygen. There's no better oxygen that you'll get in the game than the imagery coming out of the likes of Tip and Clare from a full Innes, that being beamed into every house in Ireland. The Clare and Limerick game, the power of that. My, my nephew, my father told me lately, can name all of the Liverpool squad. I don't think the influence was ever in Liverpool. Why is that? The opportunity we've lost over the last number of weeks to market the game has been huge, not to mention last night. And all the kids, I mentioned them at the start, going down to the match with their, with their hurlies and so on, was brilliant. But what about all the kids that we're trying to introduce into the game, trying to grow the game, trying to bring new demographics into it? We've lost a huge opportunity over the last number of weeks. And I would say that the GA has failed hurling at this stage. I sat over there and the head of sport and RT was here. You were here, right? And I said that given what was coming, that was a number of months ago, given what was coming with the coverage of the games in this country and on this station, we should put a rubby ball up in the corner of the screen up there, right? And 
I'm very proud of the Irish rugby team and they're a credit to the country and we all hope they'll win the World Cup. But in terms of being a competitive space, the GA have waved the white flag, flag because we've now given over 2023 to rugby country. Well, look, in fairness, we can't compare all the sports here and that's not what this show is here to do. And in fairness to RTE, I'm not going to decide what we show and what we don't show, but I think showing more rugby has actually been a really positive thing for this country in general as well. And I don't think that that's what this is here for. But, but I understand your point. We're here, we're here, we're here, we're here to talk about hurling, Jackie, Yeah, no, no, right? I do understand. And it's a, competitive, it's a competitive space. And there's a duty on the GA, the leadership of the GA, to fight for hurling. And all of those facts would suggest that they're not up for that fight. Okay. Discuss. Yeah. Like, there's an awful lot in there. Uh, I instinctively agree, I guess, with with a fair amount of it. I also think some of it is kind of nonsense. Um, if he thinks that uh, <laughs> that the Diego have used hurling uh, to, to sell their service... Wait till uh, Saturday week when uh, Mayo Kerry and uh, Tyrone Galway in the opening matches of the uh, All-Ireland series are on GAA Go. Um, those games, I would suggest, are every bit as big as the, the hurling games that have been on, on GAA Go so far. So I think, I think there's a little bit of nonsense there. I also think there's a small amount of nonsense. Like, if I... I find Donal Logue, I find him totally compelling as a pundit. And as with all very good pundits, you know, uh, you don't have to agree with him most of the time or or any of the time at all. Um, But like the promotion of hurling, I, I find a lot of hurling like people in the sort of, especially in the big hurling counties, there are. Like they they promote hurling when it when it suits them when it gets to championship time, but like we're after sitting through the worst hurling league. Okay, the worst hurling league since last year's hurling league, which was the worst since <laughs> since since and since since. But it's like hurling, and I've written about this a few times. Hurling is now down to there are uh, nine slash ten. If you count the league final, there are ten weekends. All year, when the top hurling counties play each other in meaningful games, because they have completely disemboweled the league. The league in sort of 2013, 14, 15, 16 was a phenomenal competition where the teams absolutely lifted the heads of each other. And that changed because the top hurling counties wanted it changed. They absolutely went, ah, here, we don't want to be doing this in May or in in February and March, the, you know the season's long enough. We'll we'll just wait till the championship. Thank you. So the so the league is a pre season competition now. Now it's not all those league games are in free to air television, uh, but they have but but the top echelon of hurling has reduced the league to a pre season competition, and it's on free to air te- uh, television. So like I I take. The promotion thing with a with a little bit of a pinch of salt, but look, it is absolutely true that hurling has got screwed by the early, the early f- rounds of games being not behind a paywall. I I I don't particularly buy the paywall thing, but the problem with GA Go isn't that you have to pay for it. 
The problem is that it's a dose to try and get on the television. It's a pain in the arse to try and watch it. Like, I know people talk about, you know, the elderly and people from the generations that have built the GEA going down through the decades. Like, yes, it's to try and set up GEA, go and put it on the television. But it's a pain for people of our generation. Like, not everybody has a HDMI cable to you know, stick into your laptop to link up to the back of the screen. And the fact that you can't just sit down and flick on the TV and have the matches on, that to me, I think, is is the bigger problem. I know that that in the last week, Diego have emailed uh, their subscribers and said that the app is now downloadable on some smart TVs, but it's not on all of them. I spent I spent twenty minutes last night. I got a new TV over the weekend, uh, and it's a it's a pretty good one. And I tried last night for twenty minutes to try and find the Google Play app to download GA Go, so I could just the way you hit the Netflix app or the way you hit the Apple TV app, uh, and. That, you you can't do that with GA Go. You have to cast it or you have to have a HDMI cable. And like, I know if I was talking to my mother and saying, ah, oh, yeah, you need a HDMI cable, she'd be going, what are you talking about? Mm. But even if I was talking to my sister and kind of going, yeah, no, you need this or you need to cast it and you need to do all that, she'd be going, ah, here, can I not just put it on the telly? And that to me, I think, is almost... Had they sorted that out ahead of time, had they sort of looked around corners and foreseen that coming down the tracks, I think they were kind of lulled into a false sense of security by the fact that in the time of crisis, i.e. during COVID, oh, you know, club matches were streamed and loads of matches were streamed. And, and, and I think they just kind of thought that people were across the barrier and I don't think they are mm. because I think it's just not easy to, to sit down and watch GA go. And if you want your product to be consumed by a vast audience, it, you should make it easy for them. And this isn't easy. Going to be interesting to see if this debate calms down because you rightly pointed to a couple of weeks time. So the mm. weekend of May 20th and 21st, for instance, Kerry Mayo, GA Go, Galway Tyrone, GA Go, mm. and Donalogue will be pleased to know that Claire Cork and Limerick Tipperary and the Hurling will be yeah. all over RT in the Sunday. And it is a mm. similar situation the following week as well. It is a football bonanza on GA Go, and Hurling is the preserve of RTE. Yeah. So, but I think by the time John Fogarty wrote this afternoon or this morning in the Examiner, by the time the Munster Ren Robin is done, all 10 mm. hurling matches will have been an RTE or GA go and there's an even split between the two. So I think yeah. like maybe that fact was missing from the conversation last night. But that is not to say that uh, war is not going to break out in a couple of weeks time when people realise those football games. The Round Robin series is a more of a GA go production. Big time. Yeah. And, and look, as I say, again, I'm not sure that people are that annoyed by that. I, I, I think the level of like I of God saying that all hurling should be on free-to-air television, uh, which is hilarious given that, you know, <laughs> like, apart from anything, uh, you know, 
there's conversations about how RTE is going to be funded going into the future. Uh, and yet we're saying that all <laughs> everything has to be on free to air television. Therefore, you would presume that that means RTE have to pay more for it. Uh, anyway, th- that, that seemed like a ludicrous thing to me. I, I do think there, there's a really good point uh, I saw someone make there last week where um, by making G by putting matches on GA Go, by putting it on an app that you have, that there's a rigmarole that you have to go through to get it on your television, nobody flicks onto it. And that's, that is a change in what we have had up to now. Like, it's hilarious that, that you hear people this week talking about, well, Jesus, I didn't agree with the Sky deal, but at least in Sky, at least Sky was on the television. At least you could you could be flicking around the channels on a Saturday evening when, say, the Premier League is over and you could come across, oh, Jesus, there's Tip and Cork. Mm. I forgot it was on. Whatever, you know. And, okay, you can say that, you know, the people who have that attitude to the GA aren't who we should be most worried about or aren't who the GA should be most taking into account. They're, they're, pe- they're viewers. They're viewers of the games. People, a lot of people are just into sport. They, uh, you know, they're not steeped in the GA, but they'll sit down and watch a damn good hurling match the same as the next person. What they won't do is, oh, right, I have to pay 12 quid to watch that. Or, I c- okay, if I got the season ticket, I could do it for 79 quid. But hang on, there's no app for, oh, right, so I need now to have a cable to put it into the back of, oh, or I need to stream it, or, oh, uh, uh, and all and on and on and yeah. on. I do think it's the the inconvenience of it has made this a much bigger deal than the paywall aspect of it. Because now, because like for the last few years, uh, there's been hurling matches on Sky um, for, you know, for each of the last few years. The difference is, of course, that this year it turned out to be monster hurling matches. And even that, I saw the GA go chief executive today was saying that this has come down to happenstance as much as anything, that the Limerick-Clare game was supposed to be on a Sunday and RTE had had the rights for it and then it got moved to a Saturday because the great Limerick run was on a Sunday and so Diego had the Saturday matches and blah, 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 right. blah, blah. So, Not a concerted look, situation. I think the big problem of, uh, as ever, comes back to a kind of a hurling snobbery and w- worse than that, a monster hurling snobbery. Nobody was roaring and shouting when uh, all the Leinster hurling matches in the last few years were on uh, Saturday night on Sky. Mm. Uh, this has kind of come down to the fact that um, big monster hurling matches are on Saturdays and they're on GAA Go uh, and it's a pain in the arse to try and get it. On hurling, your point about the league is so well made and like so on the nose of what Don Logue is getting at. And I did when I was listening to him again, instinctively, I found myself agreeing with him until I looked ahead and saw actually there's a whole bunch of football behind. Uh, I was yep. about to say behind closed doors on GA go and then mm. there'll be uh, hurling to the fore. But just the place of hurling in the association is really interesting mm. when you listen to someone like Don Logue, because on the one hand, I would say it is the most celebrated pursuit in the association. It is artistry. It is the drumbeat of our soul uh, collectively. It is the greatest game in the world versus the greatest game in the world is barely played in a whole bunch of counties to, you know, the the elite standard 
it's seemingly not growing and almost most bizarrely, if Don Logan is speaking for hurling people, they have a real grievance, like a real grievance as to how, you know, this sport is uh, treated, like it, GA has failed us. I thought it was, it's so interesting to, to position those two points of view. Yeah, I'd be, but I'd be interested in that, Joe. Like, hurling is 100% more popular in non-hurling counties now than it was when we were growing up. There's no question about that. I remember growing up in Monaghan and you could walk into a pub on All-Ireland hurling final day and Bolton and Everton would be on the TV. You know, the, that you'd have to, and you'd, you'd be nearly seen as the weirdo going, could you put put the hurling on there? And they'd be going, the hurling, oh, is that, is that on today? You know, and that, that's like do you mean, late do you 90s. Mean, do you mean, you mean that literally? Oh, genuinely. Oh, 100%. That definite, definitely would have been the case. Late 90s, early 2000s, 100%. It was just not a big deal. Right. Uh, and I like talked to my, you know, and all that. They sisters, they would very happily sit down and watch a hurling match now. Uh I like this is a very small thing, but I remember there was a 2007 Monaghan played Kerry in the All Ireland quarterfinal. Uh Monaghan should have beaten Kerry. Uh Tomas O'Shea fisted a last minute point. And uh, for years afterwards was saying without even you know being a dick about it I thought I was sure that was for a draw I didn't even know we won which really <laughs> stuck the dagger into all Monaghan people but I was there and but it was the first match in a double header in Croke Park and the second match was the All-Ireland semi hurling semi-final between Limerick and Waterford and I remember sitting in the top deck of the Cusick stand that day uh, and a few Monaghan people had kind of stayed on for a while to kind of watch a bit of hurling, but more more or less to let some of the traffic go uh, and go down the down the road after it. And I got a hundred percent. There was Monaghan people around me. It was the first hurling match they had ever been to. It was the first hurling match they had ever seen. They were going, "Which who plays for these crowd now? Oh, is your man Shanahan? Is this what is that Waterford? As in Dan Shanahan, uh, because he had scored a load of goals in in games that year. But like. It's completely different now, you know, people would know, you know, that Limerick are this phenomenal team and they would know the that, you know, to, to, to watch Tipperary play Cork would be part of, you know, Irish sporting history and all that sort of stuff. They'd know who TJ Reid is, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but at the same time, nobody plays it like no, like, I, you know, as kids, you know, in, in, in football counties, it's just not. It's just not a big. It's not. It's not a big activity, but I do sometimes. I sometimes uh, kind of rail against a little bit the likes of Don Logan, the likes of Jackie Terrell, and and the likes of these guys who are. Are they that interested in hurling growing, or are they more interested in? And I, this is not to pick the pair of them out specifically, but are hurling people more interested in hurling getting its due? rather than it growing like like do people in cork really care if people in kerry play hurling or are they happy enough that you know they play the football like mm. um i don't know i don't i i think hurling people are, are, love their sport and and god bless them for it and and they should you know it it is a it is a kind of a miracle of a sport but i I've, I've never really got that sense that they want it to grow in Kildare or that they that 
even that they wanted to grow in Dublin, particularly like they that who care like they're happy they're they're happy with their monster championship. They're happy with their you know what they have, and I I know that they feel that it should get a bigger um, bigger show on TV or whatever. But it's like people love watching it, but I I don't know. You're not going to change football counties into hurling counties, or, or at least I don't see how that is going to work. Yeah. I, and a, a final one before we chat about the football over the weekend. I don't know to what extent the GAA as an association are desperate for it to happen. You would think on paper they should be to have, mm. you know, to double the number of counties at the very least who are competitive. But my general observations on how hurling tends to grow in pockets is that uh, people move from hurling uh, pockets to towns around Dublin, South County Dublin, and they do it themselves. It's very much community uh, led because they've come from uh, hurling counties but it it doesn't feel like the GEA are getting in there and they're saying right Leitrim we're going to sort this out once and for all yeah the thing is though that the that Leitrim is not there is definitely any time I've spoken to anybody in the sort of upper echelons of the GEA their focus if it is there at all when, when it's talks about expanding hurling. It's not Leitrim and it's not Monaghan and it's not Tyrone. It's not any of those. It's your Westmeath. It's your Leash. It's getting awfully back to somewhere that that, that it might work. It's, it's also, to some extent, making sure, like, like Offaly had 20 years of, of being in the top tier but like when they fell, they fell quickly. And I'd say the GA would be more interested in making sure that there isn't another Offaly, that mm. uh, like a Waterford or a Wexford or a Dublin don't fizzle out and fall down the way and, and kind of become an irrelevance um, to the to the top uh, of the game. Um, but I don't think they have any... And, and I think they're probably almost right in this. I don't think they have any real interest in, like, hurling in Donegal mushrooming or hurling in wherever, uh, mushrooming into this huge game or in Longford or anything like that. Because, like, you you can't... You can only panel beat the culture of a place so much. Mm. Like, it, you can't make a football county into a hurling county. I don't I, I just don't think it, it can happen at this point. Okay. Um you can help the hurling pockets of say Carlo and uh and those counties to flourish uh and, and be the best that they can be. But even the best that they can be is so far behind in the arms race with the very, very highest echelons of the game mm. that th- like even that is just it's it's, it's it's fairly unattainable, you know. The same teams yo-yo up and down out of the Joe McDonough year after year. There's no real, there's no real danger. Of, uh, there's there, there's certainly no sense that a Westmeath who are who are in the All Ireland Championship this year have any prospect beyond a few Hydens. Uh, uh, and are they are they po- possibly going to stay up? 
No, like Antrim will probably beat them. Antrim are, the, are, are, are maybe the one sort of in that grey area that, you know, the obviously Belfast is a big population and they could they could grow it there and maybe they could stay at the top table for, for a protracted period. But no, I don't, I, I see, I don't think there's any, I think it would be an awful waste of the GA's money really to try and make Hurling grow in Leitrim and Leitrim and, and all these places. To, I, I, because I think there's a ceiling there and it's a fairly low ceiling. Mm, fair enough. As a final thought, I mean, I know it's been said for a long time now about Dublin, but based on the fields of uh, St. Anne's where I bumped into you, it's probably years ago now at this stage, but it, it doesn't feel that long ago in these post-COVID times. <laughs> uh, you can't walk by a field there without people in, and hurls. So Dublin, yeah. Dublin may well explode in the next 15 years. Well, it's your, and, and, and it's your, and look, I've, <laughs> uh, my, I'm, for my sins, I've got involved in Nafina now uh, in Glasnevin. Um, my wee girl is under eight and she plays her camogie one week and football the next week. And she's her. She's the 2015 girls and there are 96 girls in her age group. And we're on the back pitch and the boys are on the front pitch and there's at least 96 of them as well. And mm-hmm. that's in one club. And we switch around week week by week. Um, like there are massive, massive numbers of kids in Dublin holding hurleys and swinging them and learning how learning what the game is. Um, where that ends up and what that eventually means, God knows. But like participation sport in Dublin, at least. Yeah. And did you say you're coaching? Yeah, guy. Well, you see, that's the thing that's going to hold Dublin hurling back. Uh, Malachy Clerkin from Monaghan is their coach. Malachy Clerkin, uh, who's who, it's quite likely that the first time I ever held a hurl, I was showing a crowd of five-year-olds how you're supposed to ho- hold it properly. But uh, it's not the golf grip, okay? You need to undo that. It's not going to. Well, work. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Although they won't, they won't be beaten out of it. A lot of them do use the golf grip, and and uh, apparently you're supposed to leave them at it. Okay. Whatever they feel comfortable with. We had two football finals on RTE, mm-hmm. of uh, course. Uh, so Kerry, Clare, Galway, Sligo, 14-point wins both, Kerry and Galway. Yeah. This was low on uh, tension, low on um, competitiveness. Uh, the defining image, um, I suppose, for all of us is David Clifford lifting the trophy, is yeah. Mike Quirk, um, the role he was born to play, enforcer, bouncer, having the wherewithal to understand what would happen to David Clifford even on on yesterday of all days at full time and making sure it didn't happen to him. Yeah, like it was um it was a kind of it was a surreal day in Limerick. Um uh, like everything was informed by the fact that the Clifford's mum had died on Saturday. Everybody going knew that that was the the sort of thing that was hanging over us and um no, otherwise it was um you know the game itself was was very straightforward um yeah it was i was very i was so kind of stunned by the two of them really um you know to be able to turn up and play an intercounty match at a, a monster final okay claire were terrible and it was a cakewalk and all of that sort of stuff but you know the 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 composure that they both had, <clears throat> pardon me, um, to do a professional job uh, within 24 hours of your mom dying is um, is pretty extraordinary. And, you know, these lads are, they're kids, you know, we, we look at, <laughs> we, 
we look at David Clifford and you and you see, you know, he's obviously the the superstar of the sport, but like he's twenty four years old. Um, bro, that's that's pretty extraordinary. My, I, I wrote it in a tweet yesterday. My dad died when I was thirty seven, and it was very it was a very similar situation to the Cliffords. Um, you know, he had cancer. Um. I saw the Clifford's mom. I saw she she was at the club final in January with a palliative care nurse, and she had kind of an oxygen tank and and tubes in her nostrils and whatever. Um, so that like that just about fits the timeline of of, of the way my dad sort of dwindled towards the end. You know, he had um, you know palliative care for for a month or two beforehand, and so the, the point of, I I make is that they knew it was coming. You know. Uh, just as I knew that that my dad was dying, and uh, but like I, <laughs> for a good month after my dad died, and I was thirty seven, like I could barely put one foot in front of the other. He'd been sick for three, four years, and and like we knew it was coming. Another, it was it wasn't like it wasn't a big shock. Just as Ellen Clifford's death wasn't a big shock to the lads, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it happened. You know, like when you're. When your parent dies, you get you get absolutely no sleep. You get absolutely no, you know, everything is a fog, you know. And um, for them to be able to do that, I, I was really touched, actually, by the way their teammates sort of dealt with them yesterday. I actually, I kind of, there was a Camogie game on before it. Uh, Kerry were playing Claire in Camogie, intermediate Camogie before it. And um, uh, the lads kind of, the Two teams, sorry, the Kerry and Clare football teams walked the pitch at halftime in the Camogie match, uh, as teams do, you know, in in a curtain raiser. But when it was over, they, a few of the Kerry lads kind of stood down at the corner just outside their dressing room. And like Paddy and David were both there. And I just kind of stood and watched for a little while um, just to see how they were, you know. And they, they like, they were kind of laughing. And it was, you could see that they're, that their friends were around them. Like mm. David was kind of standing talking to Paul Ganey for for a good while, and you know they would, you know, every once in a while they, you know, they'd laugh or they they'd be kind of nudging each other, and it was just a really nice, nice way that like because there was like sort of local officials or the odd photographer would come over and shake hands with the two lads and say, "Listen, sorry for your troubles and all that." And but you could see the the sort of circle kind of kind of coming around the two of them to sort of just shield them a little bit. And and as you say, Mike Quirk at, at full time was straight out onto the pitch and kind of just kind of stood by David and kind of took him in behind the, you know, people would have seen it on TV, took him in behind the 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 line of stewards, just because ah look, as we all know, the ends of games now, he gets mobbed by by all the little kids and sure all the little kids haven't a clue what's going on so like you wouldn't hold that against them at all but it was um yeah i was very i was very impressed with kerry yesterday the way they that they basically handled a a, a unique situation you know playing a monster final when two of your two of your team have lost a parent overnight is um it's, it's not a usual situation and they handled it very well and I thought the two lads really handled it incredibly well you know because you don't know what's you never know what's going on in anybody's head and you know they did, they did like you wouldn't have held it against them if A they had 
been poor and both of them were excellent mm. uh, or B, you know, got in a row or lost the rag or took something the wrong way or, or, or but no, they just, they both played a very, very professional game and they were both excellent and um yeah, God love them. Like this, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a sad few days and a sad few weeks, mm. and um, it probably, you know, we probably won't hit them all until until Carrier finishing the championship or whatever. But it's uh, yeah, it's very sad for them. It sure is for people who didn't see the game. David scored two six. Paulie scored a goal. He set up one two. Jack O'Connor said afterwards, very much a family decision. He didn't yeah. expect them to play, but very much a family decision to yeah. play and. I guess he talked about some of the things you referenced. There's a solace to being in the group. Uh, there's just that relief to being absorbed in sport. I, I found myself anytime they scored or, or breaks in play. I mean, you're almost waiting for them to collapse in on themselves in pain as, yeah. as the reality of the wider context must hit them again after, you know, a few moments of solace, maybe when they are absorbed in the sport and almost like coming out from a bad dream. And um yeah, kind of extraordinary. And because the game was such a straightforward affair and, and tension free, it never broke free of the context. Never, you know. No, ne- it, it no, never no that was exactly that. the thing. Yeah, that was exactly the thing. Because even as I was sort of sitting writing the report, I was kind of going, well, it's you're like, nobody's going to care about my beautiful description of the build up to the second carry yeah. goal. Like, that's not, that's not what the, like, the story was how everybody felt on the day and you could really feel it in the ground you know as the like when the guy was announcing the teams he announced the Kerry team up to number 12 and then after he mentioned Paddy, number 12 Paddy Clifford he left a pause and the crowd all applauded right. you know because they they wanted to give uh, they wanted to give you know support after number 14 David Clifford and uh, you got that real feeling all day that that if everybody in the crowd could go out and hug the pair of them, uh, Kerry or Claire supporters, they would they would have done so, you know, mm. because everybody understood what was happening there. And um, yeah, look, it was it was it was a a very straightforward game. Claire were really 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 bad, and uh, Kerry were were very good. So yeah. we'll see where it all goes. Colin Collins said as much. Very disappointed with our display. We played poorly Galway similarly after uh, Sligo started well three points to one normal service resumed so both Galway and Kerry won by 14 points mm. we're presuming Dublin uh, will pull their socks up after their performance against Kildare and will beat Loud in similar fashion so once again Ulster will be the exception to the rule for these provincial finals small crowds as well and then we're into these uh, as a final question we're into these uh round robin stages 24 games to lose four teams has been much criticised although Conor McKeown yesterday made a point that actually there will be more of a premium to finish first versus Mm. second in that you will avoid having to play seven matches in nine weeks if you are planning on winning the All-Ireland so that's not nothing to avoid that preliminary uh, quarter final are we optimistic that this round robin series uh, admittedly HDMI cables involved and all that. Uh, <laughs> will it will it catch fire in the way that the Super 8s never did? Yeah, do you know what? I was thinking one of the days there, God, this would have been a great year for a Super 8. <laughs> Mother of God. When, when you consider, as Jim McGuinness wrote in the Irish Times last week, that there are seven, he reckons there are seven teams that can win the All-Ireland. Jeez, it'd be a great year for the Super 8s. Um, I yes, I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic. Like, uh, Connor's exactly right. Not Like, not only... 
do you miss the preliminary quarterfinal? But a preliminary quarterfinal is going to be against a half decent team, more than a half decent team. Like if if you come second in your group and you play the third in your group, you're you're getting you're you're more than likely getting one of the cranky northern teams, or you're getting you know uh let it could be a Mayo or it could be like there's. There, there are mind mines out there to be avoided. Uh, so, yeah, if you have designs on winning the All Ireland, you want you don't want to be in that preliminary quarterfinal, really, um, because as you say, it's seven games in nine weeks. You don't want a hard game in a game that you think you're you're probably expected to win. You know, somebody's going to pick up an injury one way or the other. That's going to be important. Somebody's going to get a suspension. That's going to be important. Um, yeah, I. I I I know the the talk of twenty four games to get rid of four teams, and we probably know who three of the four is are yeah. going to be. Like yeah. Sligo aren't going to make it through. Westmead aren't going to make it through. Louth may or may not. You know. Um, so I get the I I get that that's probably a bit ridiculous. The thing I'd say about that is that that won't happen every year. As in. You know, it's it's not going to be there are there aren't going to be as many sort of imposter teams is the wrong phrase, but you know what I you yeah. know what I'm getting at there. Um, every year, uh, but also um, they they have done it this way so that the last round of games will be meaningful for everybody. Um, because I was if you talk about the Super Eights, the 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 stupidest game I was ever at was a dead rubber in the Super 8s between Tyrone and Dublin in Oma in, let's say, 2018, was that? Or maybe 2019? I can't can't remember which it was. And it was the most surreal, idiotic game I was ever, ever at. Like, Dublin... Dublin didn't just run a dummy team; they ran a dummy panel. Mm. Like they, like they, they, they left, they left like seventeen players at home and and came up with it with a pretty much a scratch twenty, and like halfway through the second half, like there, there was literally nothing for any either. Uh, so uh, the dead rubber thing just won't exist in this format because whatever you're playing for on the last day, you will have, uh, like, even the difference between coming second and third, the, if you come second, you get home advantage for your quarterfinal. Yeah. Or for your preliminary quarterfinal. So, like, that's still something, you know. Uh, there's a big difference if you're, let's say, let's say it's Monaghan and Tyrone are are coming second and third in their, in their uh, respective um, groups. Like there's a big difference. I know Monaghan have beaten them once in Oma this year, but I don't know if they, if they would really beat them twice or relish the prospect of beating them twice, and and vice versa. Throne wouldn't want to go to Clonus like so. Yeah, yeah. Um, there will be something to play for on the last day, and that's why that's why there's this many games to get rid of so few teams. Well, thank God, Mal, because we're into May now, and I haven't done a piece of analysis yet that didn't start with. This doesn't really matter, though. This is just shadow boxing. Uh, so it's high time. Uh, Terry has texted in on Mal's pub All Ireland hurling final experience. If it was the JJ Acacia era, I am with the good folk of uh, Monaghan. So there we go. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Salad days. Yeah, they were. Malachi Clearing of the Irish Times. We'll let you go and uh, bring through the next generation of All Ireland winning uh, hurlers, camogie players across Dublin. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Good Thanks, Bye bye.
Hurling on off the ball with Board Gosh Energy. Hurling, it's anyone's game.